0: Hello, I'm Tim from Caribou Tim Time. Welcome to my podcast. Today's episode three, we're going to be doing something a little different. We're going to split it up into three little mini episodes in one. Today, we're starting it off with In the Kitchen with Tracy making a beef stew. Who doesn't like beef stew? So grab your cup of coffee, pull up a kitchen chair, sit down, relax, join the conversation as we go and make a nice beef stew on a cold, snowy day. Hello, I'm Tim. Welcome to Caribou Tim Time. I am in the kitchen. Tracy's here, she's making... What are you making? Beef stew. Beef stew. <laughs> beef stew. Who doesn't like beef stew? Nobody. Uh, if you rose your hand, I couldn't even see it anyway, so... Everybody likes beef stew. What do you peeling in there? Potatoes. Nice. Celery, smell's good in here. Onions. Pearl barley. Pearl barley? Beef broth. What's pearl barley? Barley. Pearl? It's not in a, It's not pearl. Oh. It's just a... It's called Pearl Barley. It's Little Barley. I didn't know it was called Pearl Barley. I knew it was Barley. No. Pearl, it actually says in the bag, Pearl Barley. Yes, because it's smaller. This bag says, may contain barley. Hmm. How about that? Well, I would hope so. <laughs> so what do you got going on? You got the tails you're chopping, the oven's yep. on. <laughs> no, the oven's can on can. the top the crock pot. That's kind of nice. Well, that looks good. It's a big chunk of... What kind of meat there? Stew beef. Stew beef. will a little be all tender. How long does it cook? I don't know. Six hours? Six, six hours. Well, five. Five hours. Do you like cooking beef stew? I like cooking in general. No. But I don't mind this because it's one pot. And it will last two days. Right. It means no cooking tomorrow. Yes. And you just microwaving. Yes. And get a homemade... Beef stew? Beef stew. You could even do bigger batches and freeze it. Bigger but batches. I don't have a big enough crock pot for that. Is that something Homer Simpson says? Bigger batches. Wow. Well, welcome to my kitchen, folks. Come on in. You want a coffee or hot chocolate? It's winter. Snows on the ground. It's minus two. It's but bright blue warning. sky. Snowfall warning. Yeah. 10:15. Like, that's no, it's right. Eight. It said, what? It said two o'clock. Oh, really? Okay. Weather update. Tracy, the weather girl, says uh, 10 to 15. Two o'clock. Like all 10 to 15 centers right at two o'clock? No. From two till I don't know. Two so till two. in the morning. Tomorrow. Uh, enjoying this weekend. Nice. Had a little sleep in today. The house smells like stew. Not the guy, the stew. Oh, that was. Oh, the dishwasher. Well, that's the dishwasher. I don't know what makes sounds around here. That's the new appliances, oh, they all sing. What? More oniony. So French, onion. French oniony. Yeah. Is oniony a word? Not Probably not. Sounds like a thing you got with a doctor for. I've got oniony. <laughs> Yes, folks. The 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 uh, the jokes keep coming. Stay for the meatloaf. I'll be here all night. Um, can I stir it? Yeah. Because I have to add some barley today. How you do mean, you actually, pearl add pearl barley. Rinse thoroughly. Oh, well, I'm not cooking it. I'm adding it in there, but I think I should rinse Did it. You, rinse it? you got to soak it, don't you? No, no, no. It soaks in there. Oh, I just need to find a strainer somewhere. My little one. You don't eat a lot because it expands. The barley? Yes. Yeah, hey, look at this. You know, you I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the ASMR stuff, like the sounds that people just listen to the sounds of things. So, see the little barley? Cool. <laughs> they look like little fish eggs or something. they getting sticky or slimy. She's rinsing them under the sink in the strainer you eat these like this or you... You whole... They're hard in a They like, gotta cook. Just, this may contain baby teeth. No. They look like baby Looks teeth. Looks like baby teeth. That's a lot of baby teeth. But yeah, if, if, if you go, folks ever listen to um, sounds, like relaxing sounds or ASMR, look it up on Spotify or whatever. It's called ASMR. Excuse me. ASMR. And people do all kinds of neat sounds. ASMR. I'm going to do some ASMR for you right now with... Oh, hang on, she wants the bag. Do I, I need to it. pick up the more. In That's really good. I don't want it. It makes it really thick. You barely have to use any thickener. What? Like the bag of thickener? Well, like, flour. Oh. To yeah. make it thick? This makes it thick, you know what I mean? Like, you don't go to Cantire and buy it. I like a bag of thickener. I what you really. got to add more. Well, think. So, anyway, back to our ASMR, folks. So, here's a bag of pearl barley being rattled. Just close your eyes, sit back relax. Listen to the pearl barley bag. Okay, that's enough ASMR. Um, the broth we're using is Simply Beef Broth. Simple. simple It's a simple-ly. Yeah, it's a brand. Oh, okay. It's beef broth. And then we have two, two. We have a Campbell's. No salt added. Little more healthier because you know what? Our diets are full of sodium, so this one only has 8 billion uh, mega gooples of sodium. No, it's actually 40. And then the other one has uh, what seriously? What Campbell's no salt has 40 sodiums milligrams. The the nor one nor k-n-o-r-r nor 400 milligrams. I didn't use much of that, it was only about. Now I know why I this order no salt fries at McDonald's. I mean, would you like some fries with your salt, sir? What are you doing now? Tell the listeners, tell my caribou Tim Time. More listeners, celery. more celery. She's rinsing off the celery. Into the crock pot. Ooh, so bright green. It's funny how the colors are all bright in the pot and then when it cooks, it keeps Uh fade. I think it has enough potato. Where's the spoon? I had the spoon. Did I take the spoon? I'm gonna rinse it off. No, I (laughs) am not Whalen's Wayland's laying down on the carpet and Brandy's staring at us because anytime we start preparing food, they're like, What's in it for me? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's all for me. Yeah, I think that's good. What are you doing? Just stirring it? Stirred started on high for a bit. Okay. I'll put it the okay. So anyways, okay. Tracy, welcome to my podcast, Care Bruce Time. First time she's been on my podcast. <laughs> in episode three. And uh, we got a bag full of What's in there? I hope you drop some. potato peelings and carrot peelings. Fresh from the garden mat. just pick them through the two feet of snow. Yeah, it's right, yeah, right. It. Where, Walmart? Walmart? Yeah. So. That's it. Oh, um, yeah, you're done? Yeah. That's quick, she's quick. And you just let it sit cook. Crockpot's pot's the best thing. It's like, it's like a, it's like a, Bachelor's best friend. You just throw a bunch of stuff in there. And uh, you have a food. It just magically produces food. So I remember one time the easiest recipe I ever had in a crock pot. A tip for all you single guys out there. Uh, chicken legs. Just a I don't know. Uh, 10. Remember that? Barbecue sauce. Yeah. And just all so I did can- was. T- I was so lazy. All I did was I threw like ten or twelve, whatever fits in the broth, chicken legs like raw. I squirted like half a bottle of my favorite Bullseye barbecue sauce. And this episode's not sponsored by Bullseye, by the way. And all I did squirt that in there, shut the lid, and went to work. I came home and had barbecue chicken cooked. It was okay. It wasn't the best ever, but it was okay. Yeah, it falls off the bone. So tell tell my podcast listeners what you're doing now. Nothing. Nothing. She's doing nothing. It's it's done. I'm cleaning up. The event is over. So it is because I. Please hang around because if you're listening, you got to help clean up. Or you're not getting any stew tonight. <laughs> yeah. Kind of fun having me in this podcast. Sounds you make in your kitchen. I got the dishwasher. You got a new dishwasher unit. It's got this neat feature where it sings, and then the door pops open by itself, and the fan comes on and it airs out all the hot air, so your dishes don't stay sweaty. This is That's for recycling. No, we can't recycle. You can't this recycle. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, definitely You Can't recycle those um, beef broth bucket boxes. No. No. Some kid. It, next time it's beef broth flavored milk oh joy hold your friend that's why yeah, we can't put milk in them just like hold on I'm all joking okay. and it's set on high and it's ready to go so yeah okay hey don't run away you gotta uh, I gotta uh, I gotta say goodbye to my listeners and with you so Tracy Say hi and say bye. Hi and bye. (laughs) That was (laughs) a lot of effort there. Uh, Thanks for joining us on Caribou Tim Time on this portion of the episode. And I'm going to come up with some other ideas. So maybe I'll do two or three parts of this episode doing two or three different things. So grab your cup of coffee. And we'll see you in the next part of episode three, Caribou Tim Time. I'm your host, Tim. Bye for now. Hi, welcome back to Caribou Tim Time. On this next little section, I'm going to spend some time with my son, six-year-old Colton. He loves puzzles and games. He likes long games like Monopoly and and Battleship and things like that. But those two are a bit too long for what we need to do. So we've chosen a puzzle, a Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck and Minnie, Goofy and Pluto puzzle. So join us in the next moment here where I put a puzzle together with Colton. Hello, it's Tim from Caribou Tim Time. I am here with my son, Colton. Say hi, Colton. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. What are we doing right now? Making a puzzle. Yeah, we're going to make a puzzle. we got a Mickey Mouse puzzle. So, on Caribou Tim time, during this COVID, can't really go out and do a ton of stuff. So, sometimes stay home and do things, right? So, let's dump this puzzle out. Here, you dump it out. Yeah. Okay, now we got to flip up the picture color, Up, not the brown part, so we can see what puzzle. Oh, I where already attached a piece. Very good. You're fast already. So, where's the picture? So, I have a reference. Put it right here that will be fun. Let's see if we can do this as fast as we can. It looks like a oh, puzzle. You got three already. I have nothing. What? Yeah. How's that fair? I got a corner. Oh, big deal. Big corner. Yeah. I see Donald's foot. Donald. Donald's foot. I see. Can I see Don. Oh, I, see- I got one. Oh, I got one. It's a picture puzzle I, of I 30 got- pieces. Yeah, keep Wait. going. Tell me what you're doing as you're doing it. I'm so trying to my listeners on can a hear you. Right here? What piece was that? Uh Donald's uh, uh Donald's. It's his head. So he's got half an eyeball missing. <laughs> find oh, his eyeball. I found it. You found his eyeball. See, you're so fast. Look at this. This is the 30-piece puzzle yeah. of Donald, Minnie, Mickey, oh. Pluto, and Goofy. And they're walking down some pathway with some flowers. I think I found a... Uh... I haven't even done anything. He's already kicking my butt here. There's <laughs> mom's laughing in the corner. Yeah. Okay. Where... What was McDonald's... Head? Oh, trees. I see. I gotta find trees. I hope uh, we got all the pieces here. Okay. Yeah, I think we do. If we don't, we'll just pretend they'll tell the listeners that we had all the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I got something. What is Finally. this? Finally... Now, we have to describe, because they can't see us. So we have to describe what we're doing. What am I looking but, at? But Dad, look. What is it? Descri- tell the um, listeners what you're doing. I got uh, Mickey, Mickey and Mickey, Minnie mm-hmm. and uh, Pluto so far. That's what I did so far. Um, and you got their faces, right? Yeah. So You got their faces. I got, I'm got. i trying to put trees together. Nice. Hi, Brandy. That was Brandy. She says hello. She likes to be on my podcast. Yeah. Oh, seriously. Okay. Here's Goofy. Look at him in the background. Goofy. Goofy! Oh, I found his arm. Oh, perfect. What is this piece too? It looks uh, like an ear. Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse ear? Uh, I think that's Pluto's ear side. Right? Uh-huh. Or Minnie's I found the other leg of him. For uh, Donald. Okay, describe what you're doing. So, I'm putting in a piece of Donald. And part of his foot. Yeah. Now you got to find this part of his... Back and arm body thing. Yeah. So we got to Oh. Uh, that doesn't go there. It looks like he went there. Maybe that goes on wait, I think this yeah. one goes. This one. Oh, nope. I wait, am terrible at this. Yeah. Oh man. Wait. I think this is. Wait. So let's put the puzzle the way the book. Um, way the, book the way the box cover looks. A book. So we're trying to put the puzzle pieces in the places. Put it over here. How come there's so much feet? <gasps> wait, Donald Ducks. Donald Duck's Duck Bum. Is this Duck Bum? Yeah. Duck Bum. <laughs> Brandy? Duck bum. you Want to play? Yeah. She always, anytime we are doing a game, puzzle, toy, this is what Brandy does. Especially Hot Wheels. Oh man, she'll take them. Yeah, and bite Listen, them. Let's, let's see if we can hear What are you doing? He, t- we have t- two t- dogs, so she's saying in Kate, she's coming. She's laying right in the puzzle. Hi, baby. She's so funny. She's uh, white. She's white and a little bit She's yellow. a blonde uh, Aussie Kelpie. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's get this puzzle rolling. I, already, I got three people so far. You got like the whole thing. I got one piece together like that's <laughs> just ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> Wait. Okay, maybe this piece goes here. This piece looks like it goes here. Well, maybe. Yep, it does. Hey, look what I did. I actually tapped top right corner fully in four sections. Wow. No, that doesn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mickey's ear when it goes there. Ooh, I'm not very good at this. Oh, wait, I found this goes right, this one. Goes there. This one goes there. This one goes right here. Now, Pluto goes, uh, goes right, down over in there, there right there. So we can kind of judge wait, where we think. Wait, Dad, I yeah. got a rest of Pluto however you see it. Pluto. Pluto. Wait, wait, I know where this those are. Look. Mm, very good. Oh, yes, yes, no, yes, no, no. I am so bad. At this yeah, I think we're missing a lot of pieces. Are you missing pieces? Yeah, I think. We'll just not tell the listeners that you're missing half the puzzle. That's <laughs> what, puzzle. what happened to the half the puzzle? That's a puzzle. the fun we have. Oh. Wait a minute. You're not missing half the pieces. Maybe it's just got to connect. Like this. Wow. Hey. Look at that. Colton's very good at puzzles. And you know what? Put that one in there somewhere. And is that all the pieces? Are you sure there was none under the table? Now we look. Mm. I, see oh, play- God, I see Play-Doh. I see a bottle cap. I don't know why. What's what going okay. on in my living room under my coffee table? Okay. I looked under there and there's like a family living under there that's not paying me rent. Okay. Well, not oh, too bad. One more. Two. Two more That's it? We're only missing two of the whole puzzle? That's not bad. For this house, that's not bad. Yeah. Check this far door. Check the drawer, Mom says so. there could be pieces in there, possibly. No. I'm, I'm taking out my dog man mandel- book when I read. Oh we're not gonna dig through the whole drawer, mm-hmm. are you mom? Just oh. Pieces. oh man. Take it 10 years. Well, it can take 10 Let's see. Are you sure? Just look for puzzle pieces. Out there. Right here. What's this? Well, that's, oh, you're thinking of a different puzzle puzzle. Oh, I don't know. What. I just saw puzzle pieces. Yeah. Oh, well. What. That's okay. It was fun. That's all I needed. I just wanted a good few minutes of fun. Recording something with you, Colton? Yep. So... He what called me that because I got a big brother, and I look exactly like him F, as a kid. Because he looked exactly like me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's older than you. So, um, say thanks for having the listeners listen to you do a puzzle. Tom, thanks. Thanks. Hey. So, thanks, everybody. And that was uh, a little bit of fun in the house during yeah. COVID. Some puzzle work. And... Even though we're missing a few pieces, it was was still fun. So, everybody say bye. 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 Okay, welcome back. I'm uh, Tim, your host from Caribou Tim Time. And on the third segment of today's episode number three of Caribou Tim Time, I'm going to read to you from a book, The Klondike, The Last Great Gold Rush, 1896 to 1899 by Pierre Burton. And uh, it's a big book, but I'd like to pick out some chapters that are interesting to me. And this one's called A Ton of Gold. And uh, it's not very long, so uh, I'll start reading it. The Excelsior did not look like a treasure ship. She was short and stubby with a lone black smokestack and two masts. Her superstructure was smudged and grimy and stained with rust marks. Her appearance fitted that of her passengers, who still wore their tattered work clothes, caked in the mud of the Bonanza and El Dorado. Under their broad-brimmed miners' hats, their lined faces were burnt, almost black by the Glondite sun, and their chins grizzled with the unshaven whiskers. They were gaunt and they were wary but their eyes burned with a particular fire. To the crowd on the dock, they looked exactly like the miners out of the picture book. Down the gangplank they came. Lippy, as with Joe LaDue, Lou Rhodes, and others, staggering under their loads of gold. The knot of curious people on the dock of the San Francisco parted to let them through. Tom Lippy's square shoulders could be seen on the gangway. His wiry, light little wife beside him her face tanned with color of a shoe leather. Together they grappled with the bulging suitcase. It weighed more than 200 pounds, and the awe spectators realized it was full of gold. Lippy's neighbors on El Dorado, including some of those who had discovered the creek, accompanied him to the dock. Frank Keller with $35,000, and Jim Clements with $50,000 hoisted their gold, the gangway. Fred Price, who had been a laundryman in Seattle before going north, was relatively poor, with only $15,000 in gold. But even $15,000 was a considerable fortune in 1897, when a four-room apartment could be rented for a dollar and a quarter a week, and all-wool serge suit could be purchased for four dollars. The square meal cost 25 cents a quart of whiskey went for 40 cents coffee was 13 cents a pound a smoked tongue was worth 12 cents and two baskets of fresh tomatoes could be bought for a nickel a group of miners hailed a four-horse truck hired it in the spot hoisted their gold aboard and drove off towards the selby smelting works on montgomery street the crowd surging behind them the u.s mint was closed because the Democratic director was in the process of being replaced by a Republican. But Selby's was happy to buy the gold. The crowd squeezed into the building and watched goggle-eyed while they buckskin bags and soiled canvas sacks. The glass fruit jars and jelly tumblers, covered with the precious writing paper and tied with twine, were ripped open on the counter and their yellow contents disgorged. The gold lay on the counter, in the words of an eyewitness, like a pile of yellow-shelled corn, while the poker-faced clerks weighed in, paid for it, and shoveled it into the copper scoops into a great melting pot. The story of this spectacle buzzed through the streets of San Francisco, and soon the news was afoot of something extraordinary was happening. For some time, rumors had been sifting down the coast about a big strike made up on an unpronounceable deep stream in the Yukon Valley. Ogilvy's report had been published the previous month in a form of an austere and forbidding pamphlet titled, Information Respecting the Yukon District, to which a few paid attention. William Johns, an ex-newsman who had staked on the Adorado, sent a brief mention of the Klondike to a Chicago paper, which printed a few lines in March. But this attracted little notice. Jack Carr, a veteran Yukon dog driver, left Dawson on June 5th and reached Juneau on July 11th wearing gold nuggets for buttons and bearing the news on the strike. Nobody believed him until they opened their mail. The Alaskan Commercial Company in San Francisco also had word of the strike before Excelsior's arrival and the word klondike had started appearing in its advertisements early in july these hints caused not a ripple until the excelsior docked but here at last a dramatic proof of the new el dorado here was one grizzled creature fresh off the boat with a 30 pound sack of dust in his hand, ordered and ordering poached eggs nine at a time tipping waitresses with nuggets engaging a horse cab at $20 a day, and exclaiming that he had pulled a hand-sled 1,400 miles and now intended to ride off in luxury for a fortnight. The Call and Chronicle spread the story of the Excelsior's cargo prominently, but William Randolph Hearst's examiner literally and figuratively missed the boat and gave it only a few lines. The Call story was wired to James Gordon Bennett and New York Herald. Hearst's New York journal had no story, and the proprietor was furious. Hearst had involved, invaded the big city only two years before, and was locked in a journalistic war like of which New York had not known before. He had lured away some of his rival's top talent, including the famous comic strip character Yellow Kid, and as their heir to the famous homestake mining fortune, he had both the funds and the understanding to exploit a stampede. He ordered all out coverage of the story and dispatched two expeditions to the Klondike. With that imperial dictum, the Klondike fever began. In Seattle, excitement was mounting to a white heat, for Tom Lippy, who had lugged the largest personal fortune off the Excelsior, was a Seattle boy and the papers were full of his story. Lippy and his wife had a suit in the Palace Hotel. Suite in the Palace Hotel in San Francisco where they were virtual prisoners and halls outside jammed people bombarding the doors. Now the word was out that the second treasure ship, far richer than the first, was due in Seattle at any moment. The post-intelligencer charted a tug, loaded it with reporters and sent it off to Cape Flattery to intercept the Portland as she entered into the Sound the newsmen tumbled over the ship's rails into the arms of the excited miners who were eager to trade new news of the Klondike for news of the outside. The tug raced back to port and as a result for the first of the P.I.'s three extras hit the Seattle streets at almost the same moment as the Portland docked. Gold, 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 gold! Sixty-eight rich men on the streamer, Portland stacks of yellow metal and this story written by an ingenious reporter named Beriah Brown coined the phrase that flashed around the world. At three o'clock in the morning, the steamer Portland from St. Michael's for Seattle passed up the sound with more than a ton of solid gold aboard. Brown had reckoned that the weight of the gold dust would sound more dramatic in its value. His instinct was right. By evening, phrase ton of gold was being published in the newspapers all around the world. The rival Seattle Times, with more is strength, gave the weight as half a ton. But for once, one newspapers erred on the side of the caution. When the results were totted up, it turned out that there were at least two tons of gold aboard the ship. As the Portland nosed into Shawbacker's dock, 6 a.m. on July 17th, 5,000 people poured down to the waterfront to greet her. Show us the gold, they cried on the wharf as the wheel vessel approached, and the miners on board obliged by hoisting their sacks. Seattle police and Wells Fargo guards, armed with rifles, appeared to, to clear the way for the miners through the jam of humanity. Now the scene at the San Francisco was repeated. Down the gangplank came the ragged, bearded men, lugging their sacks of their suitcases, their blankets full of gold, and spectators shouted, Hurrah for the Klondike! One man had $100,000 in dust and nuggets tied up in a blanket, and had to hire two others to help him drag it away. John Wilkinson, one of the ex-coal miners of 15 Eldorado, had $50,000 in gold in his leather grip although this was tied tightly with three straps, it was so heavy that the handle snapped off as he staggered along the dock. A miner named Niles Anderson dragged his heavy bag down the gangplank. He had two other sacks full of gold in his stateroom. Two years before, he had borrowed $300 and left his family to gamble on a fortune in the north. His wife, waiting on the dock, did not know he was rich until he told her that he had brought uh, $112,000. Staff Sergeant M. E. Hayne, in the Northwest Mounted, who had staked on Bonanza, came down to the gangplank into the arms of the Seattle newspaper men, who clung to us like limpets. Let me at least have a thimble of Scotch whiskey before I suffer this torment of an interview, Hayne cried. Six men seized him and propelled him to a nearby saloon, and each flung a quarter on the bar to treat him. The reporters clustered around, each prospector in turn as the police fought to hold back the crowds. We've got millions, Frank, the skater told them. Dick McNulty, who had twenty thousand and announced that the Klondike places were ten times as rich as the found in California, William Stanley, the old bookseller said that the Klondike is no doubt the best place to make money that there is in the world. Stanley's story was quickly circulated. His wife, in Anacortes, had been living on blueberries, Wild and t- taking in laundry to keep her family together. When the news reached her, she dropped the wet clothes, told her customers to fish their own out of the tub, and moved with her husband into a downtown hotel. Where she threw out her meager wardrobe and called in a dressmaker to design raiment more appropriate for the wife of a Klondike prince. From this day on, a few prospectors arriving from the north were to know any real peace. The Stanleys and the Berries were trailed by such throngs in the streets that they had to flee San Francisco, where an avalanche of letters snowed them under. That Klondike is the richest goldfield in the world, Barry told reporters who laid siege to his hotel room four sacks of nuggets on the floor and a variety of jars and bottles on the table all filled with gold lent credence to his words jacob Wiseman tried to go home to walla walla but the press the curious was so intent that they secretly left town and lived under an assumed name in tacoma miss gage aborted the train to chicago locked herself in a drawings room and the entire journey. Frank Fiscator headed for Chicago, too, flourishing a big red pocketbook in which he proposed a certificate of deposit for $120,000. On arrival, he checked into the Great Northern Hotel where he told the clerk in ringing tones that nothing was too good for him. This is almost done. A couple more minutes. One prospector, J.C. Miller, of Los Angeles, was reduced to a state of nervous prostration by the swarms of gold-crazy men who visited him. Another, William Herrick, who came out with a five-gallon can filled with the dust and nuggets, received more than a hundred callers a day for weeks letters from every state in the Union. But Ledoux, perhaps, had the most frantic time of all, for the papers quickly dubbed him Mayor of Dawson City, He was pursued by such a throng of reporters, well-wishers, fortune-hunters, and cranks that he fled to the east. He stepped off the train in Chicago into the arms of another waiting mob, and even when he reached his farm at Plattsboro in the Adriatic, there was no cease. A bushel basket full of mail awaited. The people crowded into the parlor began to finger the nuggets that he poured onto the table, Ledoux left it to him and went off into the barn to hide. He was so cornered by Lincoln Steffens, the most persistent reporter of the day. He was the weariest looking man I ever saw. Steffens wrote in the Clures. It was a prophetic remark For Ledoux's days was numbered. His life reached its climax in a cynical ending made to order for the press. At long last, he married Anna Mason, his lifelong sweetheart, His parents were now more than happy to welcome the most renowned figure in America into the family. Ladeau's name by this time was the household word. He was worth on paper $5 million and was dubbed Barney Bonato of the Klondike. His picture appeared in advertisements, endorsements, Dr. Green's severe blood and nerve remedy. This name was listed as author of a book about the Klondike. His financial pages will soon be reporting that he had been named President and Managing Director of Joseph Ledoux Gold Mining and Development Company. Alas for Ledoux, the 13 winters spent along the Yukon had taken their toll. A few months after he came out of the north, his partner, the aging Arthur Harper, who had followed him down to the coast on the next boat, died of tuberculosis. The following year, Ledoux also succumbed to the disease the height of the great stampede he helped bring about. Just a little bit of that thick book but some chapters are more interesting than others but the hard times they endured and then also the striking it rich that they had there were some people who made a lot of money. I was looking at the price of gold today uh, Billy Barker pulled 37500 Grams of ounces of gold uh, out of his claim in Barkerville, which started Barkerville, obviously Billy Parker, and at today's prices, it uh, was like seventeen hundred and something dollars an ounce, and uh, that would be over I think sixty-five million dollars in gold, which is a phenomenal amount of gold. And in those days, that was a lot of money to them too, thirty-seven thousand five hundred ounces. But today, the price of gold's gone up so there we go thanks for uh, joining me this uh, third episode of Caribou Tim Time, I'm your host Tim I've really enjoyed being with you today I hope you've enjoyed this episode broken up into three sections with COVID and stuff, we can't really go and do a lot of things but I try to talk to who I can and I'm going to set up some more interviews but uh, thank you for joining me and uh, we'll talk to you again soon and stay healthy and happy Thanks again for joining me. This is Tim from Caribou Tim Time.